Welcome to Multi-Offer World, where property sales are more like eBay auctions than a sane property purchase. The real estate market has accelerated at a breakneck pace as the new generation is buying their first homes after years of underbuilding the nation's housing inventory. There are more buyers than homes right now, and the tools for both buyers and sellers have drastically changed. Who is your lender? What is an escalation clause? Do you get to inspect the home? What do you do with an appraisal? In part one of a two-part series where we start to explore the new environment of multi-offers in real estate for both buyers and sellers. Let's shed some light. We're here today with Chris Brunson again. We had a great uh, talk about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, about some of the remodels that he's doing. Uh, today, we're going to talk about multi-offer and the realities of multi-offer for the buy side and the uh, sell side. It's you know, there's been a lot of changes since COVID came through. Uh, Chris and uh, Zach at the Grattan Funson Group list a lot of homes, also buy a lot of homes. So they've seen both sides of it. So let's, I guess we'll just start with your buy side agent, Chris, and a property comes on and you know you're going to be in multi-offer. Can talk a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean? How do you gauge your offer response? And we'll talk about the different levels of offer. Let's say that there's, you're expecting three offers. What does that look like for you? I don't know. I think. Can we get it, get a little more specific? Yeah, let's get specific because I, I guess I'm going to start the conversation with. There's multi-offer, and I don't know what that number is for you. Three to five. There's. Heavy multi, heavier multi-offer for me, it's like seven to eleven, and then there's the thirty offers yeah. gig. And you know, how does that work for you guys? You you go into a property and your client likes it, wants to write an offer. I guess it's kind of more specific to price range of the home. Oh, perfect. To, um, I guess for purpose of this conversation, we could just say let's let's do a starter home. Uh, let's say a 400,000 range, which is sad to say in Missoula, yeah. but a yep. starter home right now is about three to 400, right? Okay. Um, client loves it. The way the listing agent structures things, it used to be, as you know, put it live on Wednesday, review all offers on Monday. Following okay. Monday, yep. is that about? Yeah, how uh, that seems to be pretty standard right the, now. The thing that trips me up now is that they'll put language in the listing that says seller reserves right to accept an offer at any time. Yeah, and it, and it's actually not right. They can accept at any time. What it's become is it is seller can say, "I want to take all offers on Sunday." the right offer comes across even if it doesn't say that they can do that but it makes it it makes it seem unfair when they do it so yeah. we've seen that language I would say in the last what do you say last six to eight months yeah I wouldn't even go that long probably yeah. probably since October yeah and what so well, allowing you to expand where does that what does how does that change things for you well in the summer um, just going off of, of how you know being on the listing side of things you see a lot of offers yeah right you see how people word things you see how things are done, what's getting it done. Um, we're seeing a lot of escalation clauses, which you know is, um, we'll pay this much up to this much or 5,000 over this, 
this offer. Yeah. Um, now I think people are getting burnt out on less escalation clauses and 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 see it as a little bit more of a, a risky offer to accept mm-hmm. than just a highest and best offer. So if, if I'm advising my client in that let's put a number on it 350 range, and the first thing I do is pull the comps and see is this house priced low? What's the most recent comp that I can see in Missoula? Hopefully in that neighborhood. I mean, that's pretty standard stuff as a real estate agent, but what's the most recent comp that I can see that it listed at and sold at? Did this agent or did the sellers price the house to create a stir and get a a whole bunch of offers? Or did they price it overpriced? Right. And... uh, uh so that's the value analysis. I'll back up a little bit because we're a little bit technical for some of the listeners that, that may not understand the difference. An escalation clause, let's take your 350 house, means that I'll offer you 350000 but I'll beat any and all offers by $5,000 up to $400,000. We also see them uncapped. I'll beat any and all offers. By $5,000. And sometimes you could have two uncapped offers working their way against each other. And then you're trying to figure out, well, what's the reasonable number here as the listing side? A highest and best offer, and Chris already knows this, but for listeners, means that I'll offer you $400,000, period. I won't escalate. This is my number. Here's my pre-approval. And both of those tactics are used, I don't know, equally, but highest and best is probably the stronger offer. And the escalator's trying, it's trying hard not to pay over that. Of the escalator clause, we have an escalator addendum because Montana is not a non-disclosure. So an escalated clause allows some, uh, ethics in there that says you actually were escalated. Yeah, and just to touch on that a bit, Montana being Mm non-disclosure means that the seller is not obligated to tell the buyer what they've received in other offers. Exactly, and and we we built that addendum to bring some ethical concerns. Mm -hmm. But anytime we write an escalated offer, that escalation clause can be removed in a counter offer. So you're at, you escalated to 425, maybe the listing agent just sends over a counteroffer and says, this isn't an escalated, um, we didn't escalate to get this point, do you want to buy it 425? Sometimes that can, that can um, blow up in your face and they say no, and then you lose that top buyer. So, anyway, so that was just a technical point of, for listeners, there's highest and best offers in multi-offer, and there's also escalated, and each has its own strategy to it. Mm-hmm. So you're back to your example. You're at 350, um, and you've done your comp work, and you're like, hey, this. Let's just say, man, I think this home should have been priced at 375. Um, now what? Well, now 375 is what I look at as the baseline okay. price. So, and then I predict in this current climate, there's going to be at least two or three offers on a home that is that, that shows well and gets a lot of showings. Mm-hmm. Now there's some outliers, we, we both know that, mm-hmm. but I think 
50 over is kind of become the rule of thumb. Okay. Um, it, it, as crazy as it does sound, I, I, I let my clients know that. Um, and, and the way I, I structure things is I say, let's, let's look this, let's come up with three numbers. Let's look at a number that you're, you, you gotta have it at. Yep. Let's look at a number that you'd really like to have it at. And let's look at the lowest offer you'd like to put in. And let's, let's chat about that. And we'll have a conversation for each number and what I expect for that. I mean, we're seeing $100,000 over asking price offers on $400,000 houses yeah. right now. And that's people, in my opinion, that have either one, struck out on two or three houses and really need a house or want a house, or two, they just really love the property and they have to have it. And yeah. they don't want to mess around. They're like, I'll pay this for it. Let's just do it that does is takes all the normal people out of the game or the normal people eventually become that, that person uh, yeah. and, I, and and i'll kind of swap to the listing side there's kind of this this uh, urban legend that it's all out of state money and they just come in and buy it up that for my client base that's not I mean, these are working people yeah. um, that have good jobs that have saved some money and they've come into a market that's appreciated quite a bit in the last few years 70 percent um, of my clientele is local yeah people easily that mine yeah. and, and usually I'm usually I'm with a financed buyer um, you know we only have about 18% of our market that's pure cash so it's it's not like there's cash from out of state coming in every and buying every house I mean it's finance usually local families and the just the market is appreciated to a point mainly because of our lack of inventory so let's stay on the buying side then so you have a conversation with your with your buyer you say hey um, we're going to we're gonna go for this what does go for it look like on a on a, it's a 350 easily comps at 375 like can you talk about terms and yeah. the, all, some there's because there's legends about there's no inspections and blah 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 blah. I, and I I'm not asking that's you true but I'm not asking you for like your because we all have game plans, right? Yeah. I'm just saying general terms. General, I think there's, you want to put your best foot forward, mm -hmm. right? And there's there's ways to safely put your best foot forward. Yep. Um, you know, you see a lot of, of offers come through and, and deals get done with no inspection, no appraisal. That makes me nervous as an agent when I advise a client not to do an inspection. Yep. I, I just can't do that. And I have a very long conversation with them explaining to them what that means. You are waiving your right to inspect this property. In any way. In any way. You are buying this property as is. Now, it's not, you're, you're not buying a, a Honda. You're buying a home with a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that could go, you know, be it, be it zoning and covenants and easements. That's one little facet of it. And then not to mention the, the, the systems in the house yeah. and mold and radon and all these things. Now, when you buy something as is, you better well know that you're okay with that investment. I have a huge problem telling people to waive their inspection. I won't do it. What I will say is if you're tapped out at this number and you have to have a house, not having an inspection is probably going to put your offer stronger. I don't recommend that at all, but this might help you get this house. And, and that's a really tough position to be in as an agent because you're really looking out for the best interest of your client, but you're not 
because you're telling them to waive an inspection. And I just don't, I don't like to do that. Well, and, and, and the, the other side of, and I know you're on the list side too, but for the, for the listing side, I mean, these are also local families that are selling. I mean, they're local families that are buying, local families selling. It's not like the out-of-state guy is selling all of his assets in Missoula. These are also families that have invested in a home or in a selling mm -hmm. uh, situation. And at least for me early on, as this thing has picked up steam, as you write I, buy offers for the buyer, it's a seller's perspective. And what the seller doesn't want to do, an inspection, yes, it protects the buyer, but what happened early on was sellers would say, oh, I've got this big offer, but I'll grant you inspections. And then in inspections, the buyer come back, comes back with twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 asks to knock that price back down. It's all risk management. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's deciding what this, the, the seller has some risk in the end because once they're under contract, they can't blow it up, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got a, a buyer that now has leverage in it and it's trying to find that middle ground of, ideally, at least for me, is can I inspect it for big stuff? And then I'm not gonna beat you up on the little ticky-tack stuff that we see in every home inspection. Um, but back to our case, so now, you're, so now your guy decides I want it. Okay. Let's say that you get um, you, you write the offer in an aggressive way. I'll, I'll leave the terms out because of your personal terms. Let's say you, uh, let's say you didn't waive inspections. Okay. And let's say you went 375. Let's say it's at 350. Let's say you went 450 on this house. Okay. And your finance position is important, but let's say you could waive appraisal. So you write that offer. Talk to me a little bit about how how that feels, like how, how, how you know, because they don't always get them, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've written offers that you're like, this is a gangbuster, and you don't get it. Exactly, and um, more often than not, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'm yeah. sure you have in the yeah. same way. Um, I think what it, one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people take into account is lender reputations in town, and I think that having a lender that has a reputation not only with their clients but with real estate agents of being someone who when they say they can do something that means that holds weight yeah and there are some lenders in town and um, i'm just gonna gonna throw them out there it's uh you know rob fleming at man mortgage lynn stennerson at stockman bank and brian smith mortgage brian smith when you see their names on a buy sell and they're pre-approved yep. through that person me as a listing agent i know the deal's solid and if it's if i need to i just call them and say hey i'm reviewing a multiple offer scenario i just want to check the solidity of this buyer yeah and i would and for my, my side of it would be julie lapham julie same way i, I left and her out emily martello does a ton of business with me these are lenders that you know compare that to a a Quicken loans some guy in Minneapolis and you're sitting on listing side and you've got the names you had and the names I had, boy, I, you've removed a lot of my risk yeah. as the listing I mean, side. I, I, a quick example and not to digress, but there were only a handful of FHA home loans. Yeah, that 10 last year. For, for listeners, FHA is a government-backed loan. Yep. If you're in a multiple offer scenario and you are a listing agent, the conversation I would have with my clients is cash is king. That's the highest yep. and best offers. Conventional financing, 
then FHA, then VA, which, you know, it shouldn't be that way, but VA and FHA have more of an appraisal inspection process and it deems it a higher risk to a seller. And and just, I'll go back technically for listeners. VA is a military loan package. It has two levels of inspections and it has a 21 day, um, 21 day appraisal period. I'm doing one right now, VA, and we're gonna delay closing because the VA appraiser is so much slower and then we're gonna wait to the last minute. That second level of inspections may bring up conditions to the property that my client was totally good with, but we can't close the transaction until the seller so there's risk for the seller. It's risk. not that and veterans or FHA are punished. And that that just furthers my point with the with the lenders. Yeah. I've gotten two FHA deals done this summer solely because Brian Smith was the lender. Yeah. Because the listing agent said, Oh, Brian says it's good to go. It's good to go. I don't deem that as a normal FHA risk. This will pass. Brian will get it done. I think you guys did that like 21 days or something crazy. Brian closed it really fast. And I mean, he's got the ability to do his own underwriting. Um, He's his own brokerage. He's not held to the the confines of a a larger bank. Yeah. You know. Um, So I guess back to our scenario. It's a we yep. we're at a 350 house mm-hmm. that we deem is worth 375. We're gonna come in at 450. I do not have a problem in this current market seeing it appraise. Yeah, we don't see that. We don't see but that. But I like to keep the appraisal contingency in place. It just makes me feel more comfortable that I don't have to have an awkward conversation with my client. So what I do is I go through the buy sell with them and explain to them what the appraisal contingency means. And I ask them here, should this not appraise, we have three days Mm -hmm. to come to an agreement of where we stand between what we offered and what it appraised for. So let's take that technically again for listeners. An appraisal contingency means that if you're at 450 on this house and it appraises at 425, which the appraisal to dumb it down even more the appraisal is what the bank deems the property worth what they will they value the property at should you default on your mortgage the bank thinks that they will be able to sell that property for that price agreed but it opens the doors for negotiations so you're at 450 i would say i'm list side you offered me 450 you come back and say it appraised for 425 we're 25,000 apart. So now it's a negotiation. Are you going to come down to my appraisal? Or are you going to come over the top of the appraisals? And in a waived appraisal, you're bringing 25,000 extra cash to There's a, no negotiation. There's no negotiation. You can also cap it and say, in the event of an underappraisal, I pledge $20,000. You can limit your risk. Mm-hmm. We see that fairly common as well. So the appraisal contingency is an open door to negotiation. It appraises, great, moving on. Um, okay, so you've written some version of an appraisal. Now you've submitted it. What, I, I, I think, I just think there's a, there's a, what does that feel like? Because you own a home and I own a home and I didn't have to go through that on my home because I bought it long, long enough ago, neither, neither did, did you. But you've got a buyer that's got kids and wants to move into a house. This might be their third offer. They've gone from the lower offer, now they're like going over the top. What, what does that look like? When do, you, when do you submit? When do you hear back? I mean, that bit. 
you know, I'm still struggling with that now. Um, I feel like if my clients are, are, are wanting to play the game and, and are willing to pay over ask or mm-hmm. a, 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 want to be one of the, the top couple of offers, but don't want to show their cards right away, I feel like we wait and I call every day to the listing agent. Oh, you do? And I say, how many offers do you have oh, in hand? Thing. If you're considering reviewing an offer, we'd like a chance at throwing it in right now, but we'd like to put our best foot forward, so we're gonna wait as long as possible. And that way, I keep a good relationship with the listing agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wanna be the guy when offers are reviewed at 5 p.m. on Monday, throwing it in at 4.45. Mm-hmm. I, I, everybody has a lot on their plate, and you know, as much as we try to keep emotion out of this, it it has some weight in it. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you, your reputation is everything. So I try to be a professional in that sense and at least communicate. Um, but if I have an FHA approved buyer, that this is where they can go, and this is their highest and best, I don't think it matters. I throw it in right away. Hmm. I don't wait. And then, I mean, at risk of maybe they'll accept it right away, yeah. you know. Um, or if it's even a even a cash buyer, like here's my number, here's what I want to do, I just put the offer in. Well, and that goes back to that goes back to list side, right? So now list, let's talk a little bit about list side here. So you know, you put your offer together, and we won't get into all the game plan and strategy of it. Let's say so now I'm list side, and you've been list side plenty too. You got ten offers. Of those ten offers. Where do you think the spread is? Let's say it's a ten offer property. What what's the? In, are we considering this? It's a three hundred and fifty. Three hundred and fifty. If I if I was saying it, I would say I'm probably going to see half of those offers anywhere from asking price to twenty five over. Yeah, and I think the game's changed quite a bit in the last few months. Really, um, I think early in the summer. If you were in a, a ten to twelve offer scenario, the way I would 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 describe it is four, three or four of those offers are probably right at asking price. Um, with people that have aid, I mean, there's a lot of agents in town and a lot of agents that are not from Missoula that are doing business with buyers in Missoula and not super aware of of what's actually going on at that point. I mm-hmm. think everyone's pretty brushed up now. But I would assume just for, you know, a, a, a ballpark spread, two or three of those offers to be right at asking price, two or three of those offers to be anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand yeah. over, and then three real offers. That um, are going for it. That are going for it. Yeah. Um you know, I think the, the problem is 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 no real estate agent wants to overprice a house when they list it in yeah, this market that's because that's the I mean you end up taking less than what you probably would yeah. have and it's really tough conversation to have with a seller that's look I, I, I think your house is probably going to sell for five hundred thousand but the most recent comp that I can find of closed is you know for 25 yeah let's list at that or even even a little bit lower because we're gonna create a stir and I'd much rather when the big shot agent in town or one of the big shots calls me and says hey 
how many offers do you have? I'd much rather be able to tell them I have 10 offers than to say nothing. Well, and I would say it's also part of the reason that we're in a seller's market is because we don't have any inventory. Exactly. I mean, I'm working on pricing a house uh, right now for list that we haven't seen a comp in there for, well, I mean, one of, one of them I'm working on, I haven't seen a comp in that neighborhood for a year. Mm-hmm. Like, the, a lot has happened in that year, so my I'm just guessing, and I don't want to guess over the top. You're not guessing. Well, I'm not guessing, but yeah. I, I don't have a comp from a year. I don't have, I have a year in this neighborhood that, that, that doesn't have a comp. I'm pulling comps from other neighborhoods, and I'm working really hard. Yeah, I'm not guessing, but I, I'm, I'm like, well, I think it's going to be here. And the thing about a seller's market is that the market will tell you what it's worth. What you don't want to do is go way over the top, and now you come off as a greedy seller, and people go, eh, and then it gets stale. And and agents like you and I look for those houses that have been sitting because of the fact that they're overpriced to where the average person looking at a home sees that it's been on the market for 40 days in in a market where seven days on market is considered mature, and they go, what's wrong with that house? Well, there's nothing wrong with that house. It's overpriced. Yep, yep. So that's when guys, agents like us, come in and offer under asking price and get deals done. And I have a perfect example of that in Lolo. Um, Had clients that were playing the multiple offer game and and almost just just over it. And this was not a 300,000, this was a 600,000 range home. And this home was overpriced it's probably priced at what it should have sold at, yep. but that kept away a lot of people because there were zero offers. The house had a stigma, and we came in and offered a little bit under ask and got it. And my clients were super happy. Um, they've got a beautiful home that is now appreciated in price astronomically, but they understand now that if they go to sell their home, they don't want to overprice it because yeah. it shoots you in the I foot. Think it's, I think the numbers are... If a home is overpriced in a seller's market, it sells for 10 to 15% less than if a home that was priced correctly. Yep. Because you don't, it, it, be, it, 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 really, hurts, it really hurts the seller. It's, it's what we look for. It's hard to find in our market now. Um, well, this conversation is a little longer than what I thought it was going to be, so I think we should do a part two. Um, we'll wrap up uh, this podcast with the beginnings of talking about multiple offer situation. Um, I certainly think this merits a part two to how it all shakes out because there's a long way to go to close. Um, so I'll just thank you, Chris, for coming in again. Let's revisit this on the next podcast. And uh, yeah, good luck in listing in multi <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thank Happy you. To be here.